up, everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Hey, now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I'm your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here once again in the city of Portland, Oregon, in the beautiful Pearl District, at the Living the Dream Studios, and guess who I got alongside me again today? I bet they can't guess, but they know now, though, huh? <laughs> D-Boy is alongside me once again today. What's going on, D-Boy? Yeah, yeah, what's good? It ain't no surprise. I'm back with it, having fun with it, and uh, I've been feeling kind of down in the dumps lately, been getting some headaches and stuff, feel like I ain't did the podcast in a minute, so I'm glad to be back, for real. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you're back, man. Did you did you get it checked out? What's yeah, going not on yet. with you? I, I made an appointment, though, and for the last last couple of days I have been feeling better so you know I think it was just a combination of being busy overwhelmed lack of rest change of diet getting ready for the summer you know how I go okay okay we, we back on it though all righty all righty well health is wealth but make sure you take care of yourself that was Look a bar, that, yeah. Huh? You might have <laughs> to spit that on a feature, Pete. Nah, just you, you, you take it and run with it. You the rapper, oh, you take it and run with All it. All right, I'll make sure I give you your credit for yeah, it. For sure, for sure. <laughs> but this here is episode sixty-five. We sixty-five episodes deep, brother. Man, that's that's a lot of content. It's a lot of content. We talked about a lot of stuff. Absolutely, and we're gonna talk about more stuff. And today, um, we're definitely going to get in our NBA bag to start it off. We have absolutely no choice. And believe it or not, it's actually been a while since we've discussed hoops. I remember at the beginning of the season, we came out with our predictions. And for a little while, we got, you know, every few episodes or so, we would kind of revisit our predictions, our preseason predictions. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of got away from that a little bit. But not I mean, for any bad reason. It's I mean, just cred- been a lot of credible good content. Credible to what we, we, we are about, sports, politics, and culture. Sometimes we get away from, you know, basketball and people. Sometimes yeah. that misconstrued thinking that this was just a sports podcast, and yeah. it's not. So that's just kind of evident to that. 100%. Like I said, I, I'm definitely, I agree with you on that one. I'm not mad about it. Right, but, right. Um, we did kind of get away from it, but... It's that time of the year where we got to dig a little deeper into it Ooh, it's getting because hot. we're here. It's playoffs. The playoffs are here and now. And uh, before we kind of get into each series and kind of what we see happening going forward, who are you going for these playoffs? I'm going for the Portland Trailblazers. That's without a doubt. <laughs> Overall, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I came into this series kind of upset that not upset, but disappointed that we won the last game. When I say we, I'm talking about the Portland Trailblazers. And uh, if you know me, you know that I grew up being a Los Angeles Lakers fan. Kobe, uh, you know, as an individual player. But with them not even being in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And not. me having the official song for the Trailblazers, it's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Right. I thought uh, the Paul George and Westbrook duo was going to give – you know, a little bit more trouble than what I'm seeing so far, sure which we'll didn't. get into, yeah, and we you will. didn't. But, we uh, will. but you know, to answer your question, I was going for uh, Portland Trailblazers and still am. I'm rocking with the Warriors. Of course. Bay I'm boy. rocking with the and Warriors. And I'm a big boy, too, obviously. I'm your brother. But, yeah, uh, no, for sure. But, like but I, I mean. Like I said, with the personal relationships I got and me going to so many of these games and having the song and seeing the support, I feel like it's, it's just it's due to that. Well, me and you both didn't really grow up Blazer or Warrior fans. Facts, so, facts. Um, I guess I would just have to come out and ask, are we bandwagon fans? <laughs> no. Are, are no, we? <laughs> no. And that's like I said, because 
every even when I went to the Lakers versus Blazer game, I was going for the Lakers. Right. Like, it, I make it clear, and like I said, it's been so many years in history behind me being a Lakers fan, our dad being a Lakers fan. So right. I wouldn't call it bandwagon. I would say it's kind of like with us living here and us having these personal relationships. You've covered many games there, experiences with the media kind of breaking through. I, I would believe it's some kind of sentimental or personal value there other than just, oh, the Blazers are doing good. So well, I'm I mean, I, I'm not going for the Blazers in particular, but I, right. I get what you're saying as far as kind of how I see the game. I see a, a lot of the game through covering the Blazers. Right, and like but, I said, even with me from a music standpoint and me having a song that represents, you know, Rip City, obviously I want the season to extend as long as it could go because that extends the life of the song. While that's booming, while everybody playing good, people supporting the song, the song spinning in the uh, arena at the Motor Center, all of that is valuable to me as well. Right. So with the direct connection that is there and me really enjoying being in the Motor Center, meeting the players, doing that kind of stuff, I, I feel like it's only right. I don't see, see my my reason for going for the Warriors is entirely different. <laughs> right, right, than your right. And for you the don't Blazers. have a song for you know the Warriors or the yeah. Blazers, so I get what you mean. Well, well, no, I mean my reason. <laughs> I actually kind of got a funny way of how I kinda... would you call yours a bandwagon reason? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> well, well I, I'll let you be the judge. All I'll right, let you be right, the judge. I, I'll tell you the story. So it was the Warriors won their first title in 2015, I believe it was. Right. Um, so this was in 2014. Yeah, makes sense. I was 21 years old at the time. Um, fresh 21, still living in the Bay Area. I was in junior college at Diablo Valley College. And I had a homeboy. He's actually playing in the uh, PBA in the Philippines right now, Robbie Herndon. He was playing for San Francisco State University at the time. Yeah. And so... I used to go out to San Francisco, obviously, living in the Bay Area, go out to San Francisco. Me and Robbie, we kicked it hard. We partied hard. Mm -hmm. We did what you do. We, we did what you do in college. Yeah. And we were a fresh 21 years old. So I think at the time, I'm not going to put I ain't going to tell on nobody. But, I mean, forget mm -hmm. it. I think at the time, Robbie might have even had a fake ID. I was 21 <laughs> before Robbie was. And I think he might have had a fake idea at the time. But anywho, you we're get in the Brad club. Investigated in the but anywho, it, but anywho, well, this was this happened in San I know, Francisco. I know. But anywho, we're in the club and you know, we partying hard. We kicking it. We got a section or whatever. I'm with Robbie, some of his folks that he goes to college with, plays ball with it. You get it there. Um, so we're kicking it, hanging out, having drinks, getting fucked up, really, if we're being honest. And we got like a section, you know, bottle service. We're in the bottle service area. And, you know, it's a group of girls. It's some pretty attractive young ladies mm -hmm. um, in mm -hmm. our section or in the section next to us, close enough to where, you know, we could connect. As it should be. And so I see one young lady, and she's kind of like she's with this group of girls, but she's kind of sitting off to the side. And literally she is in the club crying, like legit crying in mm. the club. And me being drunk, I get a little, I got some liquid courage going and I walk over to the young lady and I'm like, you know, what's wrong with you? What you crying for? Trying right. to cheer her up. I don't know right. if we I was being club. nice. Yeah. I don't know what's if I was that? flirting. I don't know what I was doing, but I was drunk and we were in the club hanging out, whatever. And so her and I start chopping it up and she's telling me how she's from like Indiana and how she misses her family and you know basically just you know that's the downer in the club. Was, she was down in the club and so 
Long story short, but I'll also make this short story long because I got a little ways to go. She hit me up. We exchanged phone numbers after the club. We didn't link up. So for those of you who might have thought excitement happened after the club that night, it didn't. But we start texting each other. She went her way. I go my way. So that was on a Saturday night. So we're texting Saturday night a little bit because it's really turning into Sunday morning. And then we're texting all day Sunday. And so on Sunday, she's like, hey, do you want to go to the Warriors game? It was either on like that upcoming Tuesday or Wednesday. She's like, do you want to go to a Warriors game? And I'm like, um, sure. Why not? I think I know what you t- Okay. So, so she's like, all right, cool. We continue having our conversation. We're going forward. And so then we kind of got into each other's profession. She asked me what I do at the time. I didn't have a profession, but was a I played hooper. college ball. I hooper. went to DVC, so I kind of told her that about me. And I'm like, well, what do you do? And she's like, I'm a dancer. No, she said, I'm a dancer. Okay. You got you to make sure. Right, yeah, that's you, important. You that's key. It's very important here. That's different. She says, I'm a dancer. So me, I don't know if I was thinking dirty or naughty or whatever the case may be, or if I just wasn't trying to pass judgment. But my first instinct when she says dancer is that she's exotic a stripper, dancer. like an exotic, exotic dancer. dancer. And so, And so... I didn't really dig too deep into it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what's up. Cool. I learned more at this Warriors game, which obviously I'm not turning down being a big fan of basketball. And, oh, by the way, was that high. was the game. that They weren't too high. They, 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 they were better. They, they were yeah. getting there. But that was that game that she invited me to was when LeBron James was on the Miami Heat. And I think that was his last season with Miami. With Miami. And... It was like a no-brainer. I'd never seen LeBron play live before. Like, I'm going to that. I don't care if she dances. I don't care if I just met her last night. I don't she care invited if she don't me. show up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going. going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see that as a basketball fan. And so the day comes, game day comes around. Like I said, I didn't really dig too deep into the whole dancer thing. But the entire time, in my mind, I'm thinking she's an exotic dancer. Right. So... I get out of school. I have hoop practice. Fortunately, I didn't have a game that day. I had practice, and right after practice, I go shit, shower, and shave, and I go head over to the young lady's house because we're going to ride to the game together. So (laughs) when I get to her house, you know, parking was kind of tough in the area, so I hit her up, tell her to come outside, tell her what kind of vehicle I'm in, Mm -hmm. and as she's walking out and coming to the vehicle, She's in a full-fledged Warriors dance uniform. You said, now what in the world? And so instantly, I'm like, whoa. Like, I could instantly tell, like, this whole time, I'm thinking she's an exotic dancer. But it clicked right away as she's walking towards the car that she's a Warriors dancer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she gets in the car, and obviously I play it off like I knew the whole time she was a Warrior dancer, but I really didn't know because I thought she was an exotic dancer. And we, you know, we regularly ride out. We go to the game. Next thing you know, she pulls the parking pass out of her purse. I got a parking pass for the Oracle Arena. I'm coming in through the tunnels and through the media rooms. Like, I'm not coming in through the regular entrance of the Oracle Arena. I got VIP access pretty much, walking right by all the players' cars, all that good stuff. And so her and I, long story short, ended up, you know, being cool, had a decent relationship. And pretty much for the rest of that season, 
I have I can go to whatever game that I wanted to go to. I might as well have been a season ticket holder. That game, that first game she invited me to was very exciting because that was the monumental game when LeBron James hit a game-winning three-pointer over Iguodala, and he did his Little, post-game yeah. celebration, yeah, yeah, puts yeah, it, yeah. pushes his hands down, pat his chest. You go on YouTube, you'll find it. That's like one of his most historic game winners that he ever hit, and I'm there live for it. And so after that, the rest of the year, I'm going to whatever game I want. Um, she's hooking it up. I'm there. And so then I go to a playoff game. I had never been to an NBA playoff game before. I'm in the We Believe t-shirts. This is before Strength in Numbers. It's the year before Strength in Numbers, but it's still before Strength in Numbers. I'm in the We Believe t-shirts. Kobe also, who I was a fan of, was still in the league, but that was the year he had ruptured his Achilles. Yeah, he so he's out for the season. Mm -hmm. I have nothing to cheer about when it comes to the Lakers. I'm going to every Warrior game. I'm going to the playoff games. It's electric. It's exciting. And I low-key you know, grew a bond with the team. The next year, what do you know, they end up being champions, and that was the first year that they won a ring leading up to the current dynasty that we're at today. So long story short, my like for the Warriors didn't come after they won a championship. It came the year before. So I don't really know if that qualifies me as a bandwagon fan or not. Well, once again, I just think say, I had a unique you opportunity. You, had a, uh, you had more of a you, – you, you was going for the Warriors even when they played the Lakers, right? Uh, when You had the shirt on. Well, I had the shirt on in the playoffs because in the playoffs you, they put a shirt went on to every the seat. Lakers versus Warrior game. I didn't go to the Lakers versus oh, okay. Warrior game. Okay, I thought that's what you said because you said Kobe. The only went, time I went, no, Kobe, Kobe had a torn Achilles that year, so I had nothing to cheer for when it came to the okay. Lakers. They were okay. trash. That Kobe wasn't playing all year, pretty so you, much. Yeah, so you so kind of really adopted just, the Warriors. Yeah, thing. I really had nothing to cheer well, that's for. That's kind of what I mean and, by. The, and I had this relationship with a young lady. Well, who I'm gonna tell you why it's my plug, pretty much. I'm gonna tell you why it's not bandwagon for you. After hearing this story, for one, you're from the Bay. We for grew sure. up by default going to watch them play at the Oracle Arena. Yeah, the only you know time I mean? the only time and I saw Kobe play was at the Oracle so Arena. That's kind of my birthday. point. We we've been going to Warriors games since we were seeing the Blazers come play the Warriors out at at the Coliseum, the Oakland Coliseum. So right. that's one reason. For two, once again, you had personal experiences within the organization, within the actual Coliseum, within being by the players and just that whole entrance. Everything you just kind of painted a picture and described is why I would say, no, you're not a bandwagon fan. A bandwagon fan is somebody who says just clearly, oh, I'm going for them because they hot. Or, right. oh, this player traded, so now I'm going... Jeffrey Wood is a bandwagon fan. <laughs> Anywhere that how, you hated Lakers all these years, and now that LeBron is on there, you going for them? That's bandwagon. That means you only like the player. You don't like it, the team. But is it That's if you bandwagon. just like the player? I'm, this is a good is conversation. It a because the Lakers aren't hot. So LeBron went to the Lakers, and he's a LeBron James fan. But he's but talked the so Lakers much crap hot. about the Lakers and how he would never be a fan. And now because one player goes, that whole thing changes. No, that's not okay. That's not okay. Yeah. That's bandwagon. It's bandwagon. I just wanted to. I just wanted I, to make sure why the Lakers legit aren't. I'm gonna hot. tell you why it's bandwagon because, I mean, it's like, I love beast mode in football. If he went to the uh to the Niners, uh, no way. That's like especially a rival. It's nobody who could go to the Niners that would make you vote for the Niners, being the avid Raiders fans that we are. All right, I got a question now All right. because <laughs> here we interesting go. Interesting, you say that. <laughs> 
Let's hear because it. you know, good friend of mine went to high school with him, Jason Verrett. Right. Really close friend of mine. He just got traded to the San Francisco 49ers. Right. My boy, his fiance, my, one of my closest friends, shout out to Michaela. Right. Michaela legit asked me this question because we live here in Portland. Right. The Niners are in the same division as the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So it's just a drive away for us to be able to see the Niners play the Seahawks this year. Facts. Michaela asked me in our group chat, she says, P, would you wear a Jason Verrett 49ers jersey to the Seahawks game? Yes. Because that's my boy. Yes. And I said yes it's as a well. no-brainer. It's not the same thing. Why isn't it the same thing? We don't care about the Seattle Seahawks. I'm sorry, because I know there's some Seahawks fan listeners <laughs> yeah. on this podcast. We're in the Northwest. We, it's still the Bay Area as far as that's concerned. And a very, but it's the Niners no, no, team, no. though. But once again, a very personal relationship with this player where really you would leave out the stadium not giving a damn if the Niners or the Seahawks won. As Absolutely long as your not. If Verrett had he got a couple, interception it, or two, I'm ran all good. back a couple of blocks, <laughs> you feel me, something, yeah. you don't care. Very so true. once again, you're not going there as a like caring and rooting for the 49ers. You hope your friend's team does good, but you represent him and him only. Period. But Beast Mode is from the Bay. We're from the Bay. It's a connection there, not right. as and he personal. was a Seahawk, and I Absolutely. still I loved him there. But I was I never cared if the Seahawks won. Do you get what I'm saying? But would you wear a Beast Mode jersey? A Seahawks one? No, a Niners one. If he went to the Niners, this no, is... because it's not my friend. Yeah. <laughs> He's not my friend. I didn't yeah, go to yeah, high school with Beast Mode. I don't. Here. I'm not in group chats. I don't go out on yeah. the off season with Beast Mode. So right. no, that you know what I mean. Right. So no, I I can't, and I certainly can't <laughs> because of, no. Uh uh-uh. uh. I'm just trying to be clear on what a bandwagon yeah, because fan I think is. that's bandwagon. And this is a this is an important I think you can like your player, but year. you can't adapt the whole team that they go to, especially with how. Often is tra- you you rarely see franchise tags anymore. Yeah. So with as much as people jump around, pick a team and stick with them. I the Lakers come first and foremost for me before anybody. Obviously, with me being in Portland, having a song, being 15 minutes from the stadium, you're gonna see more of me so around the Blazers. Be, so here would be my next question. Talk to me. How did you feel when you made the Blazers song? Not. When obviously you started getting recognition for it the way you do now, right? Not when the Blazers endorsed the song like they do now. I'm talking about at the time when you decided I'm going to make a Portland Trailblazer song, but you are not a Portland Trailblazer fan. I never did you feel at it, some type of way at that point. I never point, looked or? at it as like corny or bandwagonish because I I was here long enough to peep out the the scene and the people and the response and the tradition behind the fans and how much they love the teams and all of that so i always looked at it from a business standpoint and i'm gonna be honest with you what helped me kind of not ever feel like that was the fact that damian lillard is from the bay area and he's the superstar who is repetitively mentioned in the hook so it was more so not only a tribute to the blazers but it's like okay i'm from the bay and i'm living out here feeling like I plan to be the biggest rapper to come from here, and Damian Lillard plan to be the best and biggest trailblazer of all time. It made sense to me. Right. So that's that's how I felt about it. I never once, and I never actually got questioned or no sought directly about it. I, I'm sure people might feel a certain type of way, right. a select few, if anything, but I haven't personally been 
approached, approached with anything with or nobody's like called you out on yeah, it nope. or tried to make a diss record or nope. anything nope. like that. And mind you, Kobe, shit. Kobe pretty much been out the league since I've been out here pushing that song. We right. watched him out here play his last game. 100%. So, obviously, I haven't had much to cheer for with the Lakers since that either. So... It's not like it's been too many times where it's been a conflict of interest. For sure. All right, I just wanted to figure out if we were bandwagon fans or not, and I guess we aren't. Um, but y'all let us know if we are based yeah, on in the, the stories that we got for you. But let's just get right into it, and we're going to do just kind of a quick run-through of all the playoff series and kind of what we foresee happening. Fact. And we'll start right here in our backyard in the city of Portland. The Blazers are up 2-0 against the Oklahoma City Thunder. You and I have a wager on that series because mm-hmm. I've said all along that I thought the Portland Trailblazers were the better team and that the Thunder were really going to have problems with this team. So far, they're having them. Right, and you were right. Uh, I really seen, uh, the Nur- like I said, we seen the Nurkic injury for close up right there at, this, at the game. Right. It was ugly, it was gruesome, and I thought it was going to impact this series more than it did. I heavily made my decision based on the loss of Nurkic, the life that I seen sucked out of the fans, the players, all in all, the entire city, because I heard about it everywhere I went for about a week after. And so um, just being here and feeling and experiencing that vibe, I thought it was going to pay or take more of a toll on this first series than it really did. Uh, Cantor has been playing phenomenal, in, in my opinion, uh, Damian Lillard has been spot on with his shooting, which we knew could happen. It was just more of a if it would happen. And uh, I can't even say Westbrook is giving him space because the man is shooting from half court. I mean, logo, there, Lillard. logo Lillard. Logo Lillard. Yeah, I mean, you got Dame time. You got Logo Lillard. You just got a lot to deal with with that man. So uh, with him and C.J. McCollum both uh, stepping up and contributing the way that they are, I have to admit, I thought this series was going was gonna to go different than it was. I thought that Oklahoma City Yeah, I thought Oklahoma City either had the advantage or that this was gonna be uh, a quick series either way. I thought whoever was gonna do it was gonna get to it and it might extend out to be a six, seven game series, which I think will favor the Blazers. Yeah, well for me, I mean it was a few reasons why I picked the Blazers over the Thunder. One of them being is in his cancer as you mentioned I was a lot more comfortable, actually, with him getting more minutes than a Yusuf Nurkic would have in this series because he formerly played for uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I felt like he knew Steven Adams' game really well. And during the regular season, OKC beat the Blazers all four times they played. Mm -hmm. And one common thing amongst many of those games is Nurkic being frustrated, Steven Adams getting the best of Nurkic, um, Westbrook kind of getting under Nurkic's skin. That was the bear that OKC liked to poke at all year long. And with Nurkic being such an important piece to this team, if that bear is being poked and it's not at its best and you're, and to an extent, playing off of that particular player because that's your third leading scorer, that's your post presence, it can change the dynamic of how your team plays. Also, the Portland Trailblazers have had a choke gene. Um, obviously, last year they got swept. And in the years before that, I wouldn't even call it a choke necessarily. I would just more or less say what they had to with, play the yeah, Golden State Warriors. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they had no chance we knew what was against happen, the Warriors. We knew what was going to happen. Now, when it comes to the Oklahoma City Thunder, I think they've been having a choke gene for quite some time. Going up 3-1 and losing dating amongst all, all the kind way of back, stuff. Even before that, dating all the way back 
to when they had Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook all on the same team. Um, I felt like that team had the talent to win it all. I wouldn't necessarily call it a choke when they lost in the NBA Finals to a LeBron James-led Miami Heat team. Right. Um, But I felt that they had what it took to be champions, and it never worked out. Obviously, Harden left. Later on, you see Kevin Durant leave the Oklahoma City Thunder to go play for the Golden State Warriors. As you mentioned, they dropped the series 3-1, to where they led 3-1 to over the Golden State Warriors. And since Kevin Durant has left, OKC hasn't gotten out of the first round of the playoffs. So I think a lot of people got caught around the hype of the big names of Russell Westbrook and of Paul George when even last year they were exited in the first round by a Utah Jazz team that I think you can make some comparisons to this Portland Trailblazer team. Also, Russell Westbrook in the playoffs against Damian Lillard in the playoffs. I'm picking Damian Lillard every time. Mm. Reason being, and I tweeted this the other day, when you get to the playoffs – Strategy becomes a lot more important. And composure. It, it, All of that. Strategy and composure both, it, just for lack of a better term, both become a lot more important. The thing with Russell Westbrook is he plays at one pace, probably the fastest pace that we have in the NBA, and it also leads to him putting up fantastic numbers. This is his third straight year averaging a triple-double. But in my tweet, I compared him to a pitcher in baseball that has a smoking hot fastball but has no off-speed pitches in their arsenal. So by the time you get to that second and third at bat and catch up with it, you're knocking him out the park. You're knocking him out the park. You're having a home run moment. I think up to this point, the Blazers are at a ground rule double right now. They're up 2-0, but they're at their ground rule double moment. If they win this series, based on, like you said, many people favoring the Oklahoma City Thunder, although the Blazers were the higher seed. Um, I remember that last game last week when Anthony Simons went completely off. We were at a local bar watching the game, and Blazer fans there were wishing that the Blazers lost. All over the Blazers' social media, folks wishing the Blazers lost so that they didn't have to match up with OKC. But right right now, they're up 2-0, to and I think a lot of that has to do with Damian Lillard being able to dictate tempo um, in several different ways. Damian can play fast. He can play in a half-court setting. He's really good at changing speeds. Um, I also think that's why C.J. McCollum is dri- is thriving right now because he's more of a cra- he's a crafty Slug, player. Yeah, you feel like anybody he could put a move on. He and get relies. A shot he relies and depends he's on. Good at that. He is yeah, good at he relies shot. and depends on being crafty to get his buckets, and I think that affects the rhythm of a Russell Westbrook-led Oklahoma City Thunder team who only likes to play yeah, fast, they don't fast, try to match fast, their fast, pace. fast. They slow the game they down. They slow the game down. They play at their own pace. And ultimately, that affects OKC's rhythm because they have to adjust to that, and it doesn't allow them to play 100 miles per hour. So that's what I think Oklahoma City Thunder has in a Russell Westbrook is a guy who can – it's like you're, you're, you're going to be impressed by a pitcher who can throw 100 miles per hour. But like you said, once that speed is caught up to, once that speed is counteracted, even a a, a player that doesn't have a lot of power, once they connect, the ball's going to go, 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 go. 
and it's gone out the park and you'll have your home run moment. And like I said, the Warriors had their home run moment coming back from down three to one a few years back. Last season, the Utah Jazz, led by a rookie in Donovan Mitchell, had their home run moment. Yeah. And with the Blazers being up 2-0 right now, I won't call it a home run until they actually win the series. But right now, God dang it, they're at ground rule double status. Well, let's, uh, and so let's, let's that's see. what I see. I want to know your prediction with, with the next two games going to OKC. Because as we know, you're supposed to take care of home. I think it's definitely a very big thing to cover two at home, but do you see it being a split? Do you I think see it'll it be a split. Two? I think it'll be a split. Mm. Uh, I don't know the exact order the split will go what's in. Your, what's your gut tell you? Um, my gut tells me OKC wins game three and the Blazers win game four. Okay. That's what my gut tells That's safe. me. safe. But, yeah, I mean, it's safe, but I I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to kind of live with that just because I don't really know. I think even if the Blazers do win game three, Oklahoma City is not going out getting swept. And I think the Blazers will get kind of laxed in that game four moment because they're up 3-0. And I don't know if they have that killer in them to actually sweep. And I don't think they wouldn't mind going back home for a game five, being up 3-1 and trying to seal the deal in front of their home crowd. So I do see it being a split. If I had to guess, I'll say OKC wins Friday, the Blazers so win Sunday. So at this point, do you say Blazers in five or six? I, I, I say Blazers in five or seven. Five or seven? I say Blazers in five or seven. So if they don't win different. it in I say six. If I say they don't win it in five, in if they don't win it in five, I'm not that confident that they go to OKC in a game six situation and, just, and seal the deal. And seal the deal there. Right. But I think at home, I think they've proven that they can get the job done. Hey, listeners, I want to remind y'all to feel free to chime in. We want to hear y'all feedback and y'all predictions too. Next up, Warriors Clippers. Okay, we're going Warriors Clippers. I say Warriors. Uh, Warriors finish it in five. Yeah, I said Warriors. Warriors. I mean, they, I mean, at this point, they lost one. At, they uh, lost on one a booth, already on a booth, <laughs> leading by thirty-one yeah, freaking on points and giving it up like yeah. that. Yeah, they they win in five. They don't lose again to the Clips. Yeah, but okay. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't like Patrick Beverly. Like Obviously, like especially him. with Old me. School. I like I like them for I like them for the like playoffs. That, that would be annoying all this like all season long, but I like even what it brings to the playoffs. I mean, yeah, I definitely get what you're saying there, but my whole thing is. Playing against a Patrick Beverly, especially in a series that you know you're going to win, is just really kind of irritable. Especially, like I said, for me, I want the Warriors to win. But it definitely could be irritable knowing that Patrick Beverly is coming out here and practically going to get one of these guys hurt in a series that really doesn't even yeah, matter because be they're not going to win. It, but, it could uh, be overdoing it. Now, yeah. if he was still playing for the Rockets – Different story because yeah. it's like now he's playing for a but team that actually has a kind of player. No, no, no. I'm not. Know. I'm not knocking him for that. I just don't like it. Right, <laughs> like I'm right. not. Not. That's how he gets paid, really and truthfully. That's why he still has a job in this league. But as somebody who's pulling for the Warriors, as somebody who wants to see the Warriors win. You kind of wanted to hurry up and get over with with having to deal with Patrick Beverly. 76ers or Nets? I'm going with the 76ers in six. Going with the Sixers and six, they Man. split it. They I'm, split it. I'm agreeing. I, I I like to be different because I like the the. I don't know if you would call it transparency, but I like just having different views than you. It just creates a better show, I believe. But I have to agree with you 100. Yeah. percent I think the uh, Sixers and six because D'Angelo Russell is a dog and he's gonna have he's another. He had a terrible game. The game that they lost, not yeah, a good too. game. Right. So. Uh, 
with that being said, I just don't see that happening. And uh, I don't see them being a good enough overall team to to win the series. But I do see them putting up a fight and at least making it a six-game series. Absolutely. Um, next series, um, I think the Rockets are beating the dog shit out of the Utah Jazz right now. At least the last time that I checked, shout out to Nipsey Hussle. Um, it, w- it wasn't pun intended until I actually said it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I got... Houston Rockets beating the skunk out of the Utah Jazz. Like I said, when I last checked, they were up by 20 points. I'm pretty sure that they came out of that game with a win, uh, with a 2-0 series lead. So I'm going with the Houston Rockets to win that, and I'll say they'll win it in five just because Utah can be a very tough place to play. I think Houston goes to Utah, and they split out there, and then they come back home for game five. I got Rockets and six. run them out the gym. Rockets and six for me. And they they did beat Utah by 20 points tonight. That's the final score, 118 to 98. Um, But you got them in six. Why six instead of five? Oh, no, five. Five, yeah. yeah. The Jazz take one. O two barbecue right now. Yeah. Uh, I take them in five. Yeah, I'll take them in five. five. Um, The next series we got, let's take it over to the East Coast. You got the Bucks who won tonight over the Detroit Pistons. That is a four-game yeah. sweep. That is, you can forget about it. These spreads been 15 and 18. We don't got to even talk about that. We'll talk about the Bucks in the second round. Uh, Celtics. Celtics and Pacers. I think that's going to go five as well. Five. I, I think that's going to go five as well. Um, the Pacers actually competed well against the Celtics tonight. They just have no star power. And when Kyrie decided to turn it on, Jason Tatum, who we see as a future star, who's kind of solidified himself as a very young star in this league, when he decided to turn it on, it was literally nothing that the Pacers can do about it. Now, if they have Victor Oladipo, it would be an entirely different story because he's like that. He is a true star in this league. But I think the Celtics get him in five. All right. Well, this is going to be a little premature of a statement, but who will the Blazers be playing in the second round? Are they going to be playing the Spurs or the Nuggets? I think that's a series that goes seven games, and I'm going to give it to the Denver Nuggets. Man, I'm going to give it to the Spurs uh, in six because of Popovich. Yeah, I think Pop's And if it is seven, I don't think Pop is losing game seven. So I'm giving it to the Spurs overall, whether it be six or seven. My mind's saying six, but it definitely could be seven. Uh, Lastly, we didn't cover the Magic and Raptors yet, did we? No, we did not. All right. What you think about that one? I'm going to let you start off. Uh, I'm taking the Raptors in... Six. Five. Five. I agree. I'm taking the Raptors in five. I, I think they figured it out. Um, that first game, Kyle Lowry laid a big fat goose egg. He didn't score a single point, in which is absolutely minutes? unacceptable from How an all star. An all star, a legit all star, didn't score a single point, and the Raptors barely lost that game because I, I'm of it. going six. I'm going six. You going five, but I'm going. I'm, six. I'm going five. Now I do have a question on that because. I've been kind of having a back and forth with a lot of folks about this. I also came out and tweeted that Kawhi Leonard is still the best player in the Eastern Conference. You know, obviously people feel some type of way because there is a player by the name of Giannis Antetokounmpo that plays for the Milwaukee Bucks in the East. But I think Kawhi is the best player in the East, and the reason being is, um, while, yes, I think Giannis has a bright future, Giannis isn't proven yet in the postseason. 
Um, I think Giannis is crazy athletic. Um, might even win MVP this year. I think I favor Harden a bit more, but it's between either Harden or Giannis. But after watching last night's game, um, I don't. I think. I think Kawhi might have finished like 15 or 22 or something like that from the field and seeing kind of his dominance and how he took it over. It gave me flashbacks of what he did against LeBron James and LeBron James final season with the Miami Heat when they actually beat them in the finals that year. And Kawhi was the finals MVP. Also, those predictions that I mentioned earlier that we made earlier in this season, I actually picked Kawhi to be an MVP. Now, the reason why I think he won't be an MVP this year is obviously because, yeah, you had Harden and, yeah, you had Giannis who had crazy seasons. But I also think that Kawhi, he had the Greg Popovich approach. By that I mean, although I don't think him and Popovich ended on the greatest terms in their kind of a separation that took place, but – Popovich is a coach that paces his guys. He'll allow you to rest. He'll allow you to take games off. Kawhi learned that, and he learned how to pace himself from Coach Popovich. And I think the Spurs were hated for a very long time because of that. They rested their guys during the regular season because they wanted them to be prepared for the postseason. True. And they always had success in the postseason. They always made it to the postseason. And I think that that's something that Kawhi learned from Pop, and he took it with him in Toronto. So we didn't see Kawhi as much as we probably would have wanted to in the regular season, but that was because he knows the importance lies during the month of April all the way through the month of June during the playoffs and so far he's looked damn good so I still think that we'll see kind of his dominance his experience um, his ability to be a superstar on both ends of the floor come through and that they'll end up winning the Eastern Conference and that yes he is still the best player in that conference all right well I mean I think that covers the NBA playoffs in a nutshell for sure a lot for of sure. good content next up we're going to have a little talk about social media. And no, it does not have to do with any type of a mental illness or anything of that sort because I do think that they go hand in hand in a lot of ways. But we'll actually have a little bit of fun in talking about social media, how it's affecting society today, and ultimately how it's affecting sports today. Keep it locked. It is the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I'm your host, Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. So last week, I'm sitting back and I'm chilling and I'm scrolling my Instagram timeline, which I probably do entirely too much. And many of you all can probably relate. D-Boy, you can probably relate. Too I much. see you on your phone right now. You're probably on Instagram. I don't know nah, because I'm not looking. Too much, but... though. <laughs> I think we can all relate. Um, but as I'm kind of sitting back chilling, I follow a couple of the Duke boys. I follow R.J. Barrett. I follow Zion Williamson, particularly the two that are now declared for the draft and that we all knew would be declaring for the draft and may even possibly be the first two picks of the draft for this upcoming NBA draft. And I saw R.J. Barrett make a post, and it was basically a bunch of highlights of him playing at Duke, him thanking Duke University, and ultimately announcing that he was declaring for the NBA draft. Then, what was it, yesterday, maybe two days ago, 
Um, Russell Westbrook and Sierra? No, no, no. Russell Wilson is his Russell name. Russell Wilson, yeah. But, we just talked about, yeah. The but last, no, yeah. before even seeing Russell Wilson and Sierra, we'll definitely get into that. That was another funny post. We'll definitely get into that. But before seeing that, a couple days ago, Zion Williamson did the same thing. Thank Duke. Had a bunch of Duke highlights, talked about the brotherhood, and he declared for the draft on Instagram. And I think they posted the video on Twitter, probably Facebook too, but I saw it on Instagram. Um, So it kind of really triggered me a little bit because obviously as a media personality, um, I'm used to seeing media and like professional media. By that, I mean um, media who works for certain networks and particular networks be the ones to break this kind of news and this kind of information. And now we're seeing the players breed. And now we're seeing the players break this kind of news and information. Now, I don't think that it just transitioned straight from the media to Instagram. In between, we had an outlet in a platform called the Players Tribune. That's a dying breed. Where a lot of players were going and doing write-ups, writing letters or whatever about whatever it is that they really wanted to discuss, whether they were making an announcement. Kyle Korver just did a piece in the Player tri- Players Tribune about racism mm-hmm. and white Hold folks' responsibility yeah, and right. being accountable mm-hmm. when it comes to racism. Um, like you said, it, it still exists, but you called it a dying breed. So now that whole Players Tribune act has transformed into this Instagram video posting act. And I just thought it was real interesting, and I kind of wanted to ask – do you think that it's good for sports? Do you think that it's bad for sports? What are kind of your thoughts with these players taking into their own hands, making their announcements, going on Instagram, utilizing social media to publicize what it is that they're doing and how they're doing it? Um, I think it's real. It's good. First of all, I like it. It's good for in the the fact of it being in real time. Um, I think a lot of our accomplishments and accolades and announcements whether it be personal lives, whether it be regular people per se and not celebrities, still, when these certain things occur, social media is the first place you take it. Whether, generally speaking, having a baby or getting married or getting engaged, I see a lot of those kind of posts on social media. So when I just hit this big contract or when I declare to be eligible to hit for this big contract or whatever the case may be, yeah, I'm expecting to hear about that through this person's social media. And so I don't see a problem with it. Uh, I just want to remind people, especially young people, because these people declaring are 18 and 19 year olds, correct? To use it what it's for, maybe consult with people close to you first to make sure that maybe not necessarily the action that's taking place, but how it's taking place. Because I do still think you can shoot yourself in the foot, make some mistakes, you know, just having that access and being able to say so much and bring public news or bring news to the public so fast. So although I think it's good and expected, I mean, social media, everybody got their phone in their hand 24-7. That's where news is broken. Uh, and I, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, for sure. I don't I mean, see why I would. It was actually interesting because today, um, obviously, many of you know, I played basketball at Pacific University. Um, I commentate for Pacific University still, have a really good relationship with their now head coach, Justin Lunt, and he hit me up today and he actually randomly sent me a video 
And the video was of a young player that committed to Pacific that made a similar type of a video. And so even that was like, whoa, I remember when I decided to go to Pacific. Yeah, I did make the announcement over social media, over Facebook, but I definitely probably wrote something. I definitely didn't have an entire video to go along with it. But, you right. know, just seeing kind of the transition from even when I decided to commit to Pacific University um, and how, you know, I kind of went to my family and all of this kind of stuff. And also, as you mentioned, one of the things that my coach really harped on when I played there was making our social media pages private. Right. Because I think at that particular time, it was so new. It was very risky. Um, and I think the trend of utilizing social media as well as playing NCAA basketball and playing ball definitely got a lot of folks in trouble that probably wouldn't have gotten in trouble otherwise. Agreed. Where now, I don't think it's like that. You have these players promoting these things. Like I said, Coach Lunt sent me a video. Um, I've posted some videos and some content from before when it comes to commits just because I support my alma mater. I support him. Um, I want to make those guys feel as good and as comfortable and as welcomed coming to play for Pacific University as possible. But you can't have private pages now if you're going to go all out Mm -hmm. And and make Instagram videos and make these kinds of announcements on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. So I just thought it was really interesting even seeing that dynamic change. Fact. Because when I played in college, my coaches were like, make your page private. But now it's like, utilize your pages to publicize our university. And that's what I'm saying. To publicize by our program. Yeah. So it's kind of like maybe now right. we're at that point of it's no longer a risk. No, it still is a risk. That's what I'm to saying. To an extent, though, I don't think you I just think have it's... to have the right people around you. I like, especially knowing from from a music standpoint, but it still correlates to the athletes and everything. They have social media development, publicists. It's teams that work on this kind of stuff to help prevent these kind of problems from happening. As far as the misuse of social media, does that make sense? Yeah, but my thing, I guess, will more so, so be because, like I said, when I committed, it was in 2014, and it was like. Coaches were a lot stricter on social media. But I think now it kind of I, – I don't even know if it was even having to do with like a transition in politics where even the president is utilizing social well, media like I in said, such a different way. Social media is the biggest tool right now in the but, world. But so that's you my have thing. To. But that's my thing. Is the risk the same as it was back then? Definitely. Or is the risk a lot less because no, no. you now can kind of, you're kind of expected to come out and speak your the truth. The risk is not you're less. You're kind of expected to come out and in 2014, be who you are to sell yourself. In 2014, yourself. your coach was trying to prevent a problem before it became a problem. As far as athletes and girls, you, your, your coach told you to be careful with women. You, you know how the game goes with college athletes and all that kind of stuff. So I think it was more so from that standpoint than to – I think that that weighed more than the tool of using it for announcements and positive things. So I think five years later, fast forward to 2019, Instagram is more popular. I think that even on a – on an older scale now. In 2014, my mom didn't have an Instagram, but she damn sure got one in 2019. I think older people understand it more. And when I say older people, I'm not talking about just soup. I'm not 
being janky. I'm just saying your coach is typically older than you. They didn't, they weren't relative to the social media how it is now. And I think as long as you have the right people around you and you're going over this content before it's posted, I don't think that it's nothing wrong with it. I think the risk is still the same though. If you, it might be worse because things travel so fast and so many people know how to use it and spread it and repost and things like that, that you have to be careful. But that's my thing because of the normalization of it now is the reaction the same or is the reaction different? Because I feel like back then, the decisions that you made on social media stuck with you a little bit still longer. Do, still do. Where now... It hasn't I, changed. It's where just now, more common. Nothing gets... But that's my thing. Our reaction's different it's because more common, it's more common. but it's not more normalized. You, it's, it's, it's still it's, wrong it's, is wrong. But when you... But, but, but wrong is also normal in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of things that people do wrong nah. that gets normalized. And, I, and, and nah. there's a distinct difference regardless if you're wrong wrong or not is the penalty God, the same no 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 but 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 my question Sorry is say, but is the, the penalty the same for doing something wrong then when social media wasn't as popular when social media wasn't as graphic when social media wasn't as um you know you don't come out and say certain things on there because of your particular position now all the way up to the top of the food chain in the United States with the president, he's utilizing social media in a way that Barack Obama could never utilize social media, which was the time when I came into college was during the under the Obama administration. So what I'm saying is, with the changes that have taken place, is it normalizing certain things where we react to it differently? And I'm not saying to post drugs and violence or stuff on there. I'm just saying posting anything on there to get a reaction that wouldn't have gotten a reaction or probably would have gotten more of a reaction back then because it was like, ooh, you got to tiptoe around social media because we're not used to this platform yet. We can be shocked a bit more by this platform to where now today everybody's going viral. Back then it was harder to go viral. Now everybody's going viral because there's more people using it. I just there's don't more think people the utilizing. More normal. I think the risk is still the same. I don't think that these people are doing nothing wrong, and it's not nothing risky about an announcement that you are going to, you know, the going to the uh, NBA or declaring for draft. The same way, I don't think it's janky that social media and apps and everything has took out the jobs of taxis for because of Uber and Lyft and these things like that. We're watching the world change. We're watching social media shift things and eliminate jobs. So no, I'm not surprised that I think that the Players' Tribune might be a dying breed because these same messages can get displayed through through uh, social media. We just watched Big Sean use his social media as a platform to break down how he been going through. And I know we're not talking about mental health, but I'm just saying in general, this is what is done nowadays. This is what the world is shifting to. And so I'm not surprised about it. And I think you still have to be just as mindful now as you had to be five years ago about what you put out there and how you put it out there. See, I think, and that's where I think we kind of disagree here because I think you're speaking more for more so from an ethical standpoint more so of kind of what you believe in and what your ethics are but I'm more so looking at it from a perspective of how things get reacted to this these days because I agree right is right and but wrong I mean, is do wrong you expect a bad but, like I'm trying to understand how you tying this in with the uh announcements of no what, what and, I'm tying it into is it being utilized so much more now that players and even coaches, everybody is now encouraged to utilize social media more. And I think by that, you 
increase the possibility of posting some risky things. Right. So, but 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 what I'm saying is back then, coaches is like, shut that shit off. Make your page private. Don't do it. I don't think those same messages are being spewed now because everybody now has their own platform with social media and coaches and I don't, again, and I'm not saying and I'm not even talking about London in particular but I'm just saying generally speaking the world has shifted we don't see social media the same way that we once did we react differently to social media than we once did once again, so with things becoming from, more normalized even if it's wrong is it accepted even from the standpoint of like our superiors our older people our coaches things of that nature once again I think they see the value in it a lot more now than they did five years ago or such. And what I mean by that is understanding why uh, making a page private might not be a good idea or how it can how it can apprehend or block business from, you know, certain things like that. So I think five years ago when your coach saying that, once again, he was trying to be ahead of the curve with preventing a problem before it even became a problem. But now with the fact of social media being as powerful as it is, I think that instead of just make your page private and don't use it that much, I think it's more so like, let's really have these conversations. Let's have these teams. Let's have this this conversation. So we understand that you need it and it's a tool and it can be a positive tool if used correctly. These are the do's and these are the don'ts. And maybe your coach So we now know the do's and the don'ts. I think that that's I think it's discussed amongst people of that plateau and that level. I think Zion Williamson damn sure has somebody that's helping assist with his social media, what he posts, how he posts it, the time he posts it, because that's the world we live in right now. People are employed to do this for people of this, of this kind of uh, status. So what about somebody like uh, LeBron James, who probably posts things a lot differently now than he once did before because of, like I said, kind of the shift in the transition right. and politics and, I think it's and still the culture. A team. I think he has his phone and he can he doesn't have to literally say, oh, I'm about to add. But I think it's been a conversation and an understanding that he knows. And I think it's a lot of times where he doesn't necessarily say everything that he wants to say or would say if it was just personal LeBron James, but because he knows what he stands for and having the school and all of these different things, I think that is very much so in his mind. I want to say this, or I see so the at this are- point. So at this point, is it like a must for somebody to have a team, like a social media team? Like, is it almost kind of a requirement at this point? I believe so, because somebody like I think J.R. Smith without a team, did you see what he posted with, <laughs> with the kid in the picture? <laughs> somebody like J.R. Smith, he need a team. And I don't think he got one but, based on what I'm seeing. I, I didn't see that post. I'll be honest with you. I didn't <laughs> see that post. If you but, delete it. But, but, but I think it's I think it's a good idea. I think because of the use of it and the power okay, of it, it's a good idea. Okay, so now let's transition it to remember a while back um, we talked about Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. And they were going on like Instagram Live and they were like smoking weed because that's kind of a part of their brand. And look at they this felt man. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cutty, yeah his comments know. from even credible people was like, no, even if this is your kid, no. You feel yeah, me? And so obviously don't y'all that. don't see what we're seeing right now, but I think it is very when go you get look to up a, Team Swish. Yeah, please look up Team Swish and go check about uh check about maybe 10 to 12 uh, posts ago, and he's holding a baby. They're both not wearing any clothes, but if you just see it, you'll probably understand what we're talking about. But I think when you reach a certain level, 
it's very common for one. And I think if you choose not to have that, you're doing yourself a disservice because you can ruin your reputation. So, but I feel like we're also in a day and age now where everybody's on this speak your truths. Everybody wants to know the real you. Like you said, we're we are coming out. Even mental illness, we didn't really talk about mental illnesses but in the same in the same perspective then once five again, years ago than we speaking, do now. You're either employed or running a business and representing something more than you. So while it is a thin line, that's kind of what I'm saying, and why these teams matter because don't get me wrong even from a standpoint and you're my little brother and I talk to you and consult with you sometimes about things that I feel and if I should post it or not and you would literally tell me you're basically acting as what I'm talking about just on a bigger level where you then told me sometimes nah Cuddy I wouldn't post that just because it might be misconstrued whether you no, understand but, what I'm saying or not but, I, but I'm also somebody that might have came up when it comes to how I see social media in the way that I kind of was molded and bred five years ago. So what I'm saying is you look at somebody, and I think we talked about it here on this podcast, you look at somebody like uh, uh, Matt Barnes and a Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson, we're seeing him on Fox Sports. We're seeing him on these big-time platforms as a commentator. And remember, they were on Instagram Live and they were smoking Smoke. weed. Okay. Now... What I'm saying is, is people now know the power of social media, even to the extent where they may or may not really want to represent something bigger than them. They may have their own brand that they're trying to push in the process, and, and it may even work but, for them. And that's what I was going to say. It's fitting into, you got to think about it. Obviously, we know Steven Jackson and LeBron James are two completely different people. They might stand for some of the same things, and it might intersect, but... As far as the career, we kind of know Steven Jackson for being the scrappy, will pick up a technical foul, got into one of the biggest brawls in history of basketball, and so on and so forth. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, he So did. with that being said, this whole post-career, keeping it real, smoking backwards, wearing Jordans with your suit, it kind of fits what his whole image has been the whole time. LeBron has been on a, on a really uprising uplifting kind of activist like per se for like kind of that big brother take these young kids under my wing type of thing so although he does keep it real and 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 definitely sometimes is fed up enough to where he might say things that he he really means but might not have said in a different light i believe he still is mindful and it's still being real i don't think he's being corny or a sellout but i think he knows that some things are better left unsaid. Even with you, maybe at your job, you might feel a certain type of way, but because this is your employer and you represent this company that is, I'm not saying it's bigger than you, but you know that it's not just you you're representing, you might let something slide that you wouldn't let slide in the streets because you know what platform that this is on. So all I'm saying is that with so much room to make mistakes now because of the constant use of social media, I think that it is smart to have a team or to consult with people that you feel close to and really value their opinion because it does hold weight to still make a mistake. I think things are normalized and negativity is normalized, but 
in the grand scheme of things, when you're on a platform where people are looking for you to make a mistake or looking to make a story out of you, I think minimizing your mistakes would be very advantageous. Well, what about Russell Wilson and fucking Sierra? Because See, now that, that was just a, was, I like, disagree what was with that? that. So, so <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I think that that was a bad move because it was, it was almost a taunt in. And not genuine to this. It's like, oh, we got a deal. Go Hawks. I'm laying in the bed shirtless with my... Like, it was just a bad look. And I thought... I think Russell Wilson comes off as more of a... I really care about everything that I'm into. Whether it's my team, whether... I Like, like almost like a classy man. And I think that that was just kind of classless. And once again, I think that that wasn't a consulted with anybody before he posted it. I think that they woke up and did that, and he thought it was a good idea to post. Well, here's what I say. What good on, here's what I'll say. First off, I'll say good on him for being able to be in that moment. And get that damn <laughs> and, deal. And, and get the deal, first of all, and also <laughs> being laid up with somebody like Sierra, who right. many probably dream to be with. Right. Good on him for that. But... Now, what I thought, what now? I've actually been following this whole Russell Wilson situation pretty closely. I've been really following Russell Wilson since last June. I think it was last June, maybe early July, when they made the announcement that they were going to be minority owners of this Portland Diamond project that's trying to bring Major League Baseball here to Portland. I went to the um, the private presser that they had out here. They flew out here. They had a private press conference announcing why it was that they joined the Portland Diamond Project, some of the goals that they wanted to see happen, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I've really been following Russell Wilson along this entire journey of him really holding out until he got the contract that he wanted. And then I also really got to thinking about, and God bless the dead, but I really got to thinking about Paul Allen because – you know, he's he's in these negotiations with the Seahawks. It's coming down to the wire. Him being an elite quarterback the way he is, I, I just kind of sense that there may have been some tension there above just, obviously, him negotiating this contract. But I do recall being at that press conference last year and him being asked, you know, you're getting into sports ownership Um, You obviously played for the Seahawks, which was owned by Paul Allen. And and he was asked, have you spoken to Paul Allen about these endeavors that you're now a part of and that you're now joining? And he straight up was like, no, I have Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. And so obviously you fast forward to some months back. Paul Allen passes away. Paul Allen's teams are being owned by a sister. We've seen his sister out here in Portland supporting the Trailblazers because he owned the Trailblazers as well. Now his sister is taking that over. Right, right. And so I really have been following this because I'm wondering if there's any kind of rebel. Is he being rebellious to an extent, obviously, and negotiating this contract, and because he now has kind of this ownership mentality that he feels he can do what he wants, he feels he can announce things the way that he wants to, he's going to push back a lot harder when it comes to contract negotiations. All of that because is fine. Of, I'm just because of what he, that I had a problem But with. even the post, but even the post, I agree with you that he's been known as a classier guy. Did you think but I was now, classless? I, 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 I don't... It was classless, yeah. I mean, it was his wife. I don't agree with what he did. Let's say that. I'm not going to necessarily call it classless. I just don't necessarily agree with what he did. Um, 
because you and your wife in bed, I don't think you need people fantasizing in that ex in that realm of what y'all could have been doing, of what y'all may have just done, or what y'all might have done right after you posted so the you video. you just think it's a problem for more of a sexual standpoint? More or less. Because I didn't, I, that, more that part less, didn't cross more my mind. It I was mean, more they're laid so up content. in bed, <laughs> like more shirt so the off. content of what he said and how he said it, more so like... I didn't I, what even I'm pay saying attention is, to the sexual I think, part of I it. I think combining the two definitely could make one think that it was classless. It's his wife, though. I, I, no, I I'm not really even saying it from the wife. That's what I don't care about the women at all, about who he was laid up. I don't care about that part. I'm saying just the whole, like, go Hawks, we got a deal. Like, it's almost like... It, it just wasn't... In the morning. It's, <laughs> it's kind of just like, yeah, like... We got a deal, go Hawks. Like before that, F the. It's just it gave that, and I felt like he but was. But that goes in, that goes into what I'm talking about. Yeah, and with, him the, with the with kind the, of being rebellious ball, yeah. to an extent, right? And I don't know if it's intentional or accidental, mm -hmm. but it exists because of the transition of his life. And like I said, because just of with the his mentality and what he's that been he and so his far, wife, right? I think that just keep taking the upper hand, get your money. Everybody see it. it you, you as national headlines, and you gonna be the highest paid quarterback. To ever play in the NFL as of right now, we we know and de definitely I, I I agree with a subtle flex, but I just don't agree with how it was done, and uh, I think it didn't fit with his character as a person, and so it was just conflicting. And, and and be a boss, grow, elevate, learn, you know, know your worth, all of that. I'm not taking any of that away from him, but I'm just saying kind of stick to being being the kind of person that you was because it was more admirable for real. But was it? Because Just, like I said, I, and the reason why I say but was it the reason why I say but was it is because um, I've had many of conversations with Justin Myers, who was my co-host on the Justin and Devon show. And before we had our show here in Portland, he worked in Seattle and he covered the did Seahawks. He say he was an and obviously I'm coming from a third person <laughs> perspective, being that a lot of this is what I hear through Justin. But Justin <laughs> is somebody who I really trust, Bless who I don't me. see as a biased person. Yeah. And. Justin more or less talked about how the rest of his teammates, and let's not forget what type of the team the Seattle Seahawks were. You had the Marshawn Lynch's of the world. You had the Michael Bennett's of the world. You had the Richard Sherman's of the world. The people that maybe we more or less would kind of relate to. I'm talking about me and you in particular. Right. That we would more or less relate to that were of the same complexion as him, but felt he got treated differently than they did because of the way he carried himself. Maybe he learned from even those guys who were a bit more out there in how they talked about their contracts and how they talked about what they did and how they Not talked about who they were. I don't think it's even a leader-follower thing. I think it's just a matter of you possibly could have learned something from them, which may have been a great thing for you to learn because I think Bennett, Marshawn, Sherman Put are like people this. that need to be learned from in it was society safe. It that was are safe doing enough well. where it ain't going to be frowned upon heavily. Let's put it like that. He didn't just F up. If that makes sense. We might not disagree with it, but it don't mean much. It wasn't like they was just naked or a nipple was popping out or nothing like that. They was under the covers. Right. You, like you said, you could fantasize on whatever. But, I mean, we didn't see more on Sierra in a music video, for real. For sure. So, I don't think from that standpoint that it was really too wrong. And, like I said, it was still subtle enough of a flex where he ain't no, nothing as bad is going to come of it. 
What what I'm saying is, was that always the real Russell Wilson, though? That's ultimately, what I'm telling you, no. Ultimately, no, no, I'm saying the Russell Wilson that you knew to be this classy guy and that this right here that we seeing, do you think that was the real Man, Russell Wilson looked, or it, that this it, is the real Russell Wilson? Real on him. That's all I'm saying. That looked not, that looked corny to me. I'm going to just put in, that yeah. didn't look like that was Russ, that didn't look comfortable. That didn't look like that was fitting to him, in my opinion. Okay. The other is it way because it, is, so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it because the other way is the first Russell Wilson you've gotten to know? Maybe he was playing a particular game. No, I game. think he just had Maybe a lot. He I just think that we've seen enough. We, I just think that we've seen enough of him to have, like, where he could have had the opportunity or the past to be how we saw the other day, and he wasn't. For example, the Future thing. We know Future then took many shots through his music and interviews and everything about Russell Wilson and being around his kid and all of that. Like you said, playing with guys like Richard Sherman and and uh, Beast Mode, he could have embraced these kind of tendencies a long time ago. So I think the fact that he consistently stayed how he was made me think that that was the real him, and this seemed kind of corny. For example, if I'm being how I am and making the kind of music that I make, and then I go off and start doing hella street music and rapping about guns and shit, that's stupid. That don't fit what I've been sticking for for so much time. So even if that's real but or what, what if, I grew but, up around or anything, what if that's it, it what won't you be learned. received. But what if that's what but you it learned is. during that's the what process? We, that's what we grew up around during our whole entire life. But if I've been acting a certain way for a certain amount of time and people have known and loved me for it and then I just completely But we got to also script. remember, with, and I think this is really interesting because you got to also remember with Russell Wilson and you're a guy who played baseball. Um, Russell Wilson is also a baseball guy. He's somebody who grew up playing baseball. He's somebody who grew up, um, you know, he, he really got drafted to the MLB. And I even think that those guys carry themselves differently than maybe football players do, for Facts. lack of a better term. I think that it's an entirely different kind of an industry. It's all under sports, but especially if we look at it from a racial kind of a perspective, it's not necessarily popular amongst our race. And that's something that Russell Wilson did mention at that press conference in saying why he wanted to partially own this team was because he wanted to bring more black kids into the sport. He wanted to bring more minorities to play the sport of baseball because it is a great sport, and I agree with him on that. But because that was also a part of his character too, maybe there's kind of a lack of connection that he felt he had by you know, being this baseball guy and trying to be this guy that acts more like the people that he may have been around or act how people who are a part of that sport and a part of that world acts. But that's not really connecting with what it is that he ultimately wants to do and who he may really be. Because like you said, you don't rap about the street stuff, but you've once been around the street stuff. Right. We don't know if Russell Wilson has once been around the street stuff, but he acted a certain type of a way because he was in certain industries, because he was a quarterback, because he played certain roles and positions where he kind of had to try and become a chameleon and change who he was to be who he thought he was supposed to be based on the position that he was in. And now he's kind of embracing and who he may really be, but that's not a problem. Where it's so normalized for flexing and certain posts like that to be done that he, he didn't see nothing wrong. And like I said, in those kind of terms, yeah, I don't think it was very risky. He didn't say nothing. He said go hard. Like I said, I read the tone of it seemed a little exaggerated or sarcastic or whatever you may think. 
it was kind of out of character from what you know. I see them posting suits and beautiful dresses. and It was just a different view, but it still wasn't necessarily wrong. But I can understand how when you see people of high status so much, I didn't see Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union laying in the bed together. And we For didn't sure. have this conversation. So once again, I don't think that it was risky enough to where he was wrong. I just feel like me following him and knowing how he has presented himself for so long and then seeing that, it felt corny and out of character. But in no way was it risky or wrong. I'm a, I have an opinion about it. For and sure. it's literally an opinion. It's not something that's going to be super controversial or disrespectful or anything like that. I think he might have got caught up in the fact that stuff like what he posted is kind of normalized these days. And, and, and I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad you do have an opinion about it. Mm -hmm. I just think that there is more than one way to look at it based on what Russell Wilson has grown to be as a football player and what he even grown to be as a baseball player and not even just a football player but a quarterback. There's kind of a different fraternity there, for lack of a better term, being a quarterback in the NFL, playing the quarterback position, which is a majority and predominantly white position, although every other position in the sport is probably dominantly black positions. Same goes with baseball, having the successes he did in that sport, which is a majority white sport, and him being a black guy coming into this sport and feeling like he had to act a certain type of way to be able to adapt and to be able to kind of fit in and blend in. But that may not have necessarily been who he always was. And now we may possibly be seeing the real Russell Wilson, whether we like it or not, whether we think it's right or wrong is like you said, totally an opinion, but I do think that there's multiple ways to look at it. Next up, we got our taking L segment. So keep it locked. It's the wake up and win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. It's time to talk about who took an L this week. We gave y'all winning formulas on how the playoffs are going to go and what we think is going to happen in the playoffs. We gave y'all winning formulas on how to be able to switch teams as a fan but not be a bandwagon fan. Maybe you got to make a rap song about the Portland Trailblazers or about whatever sports team that you want to be a fan of and have that team endorse it so that you can say, hey, I'm a fan of this particular team now even though I didn't used to be. Or maybe you got to go to a nightclub and meet a dancer of a particular team that you may be a fan of and say, hey, she took me to every game. And now I'm a I'm fan. A fan. I <laughs> might as well be a season ticket holder at this point. I got a parking pass to all the games. I'm coming in through the tunnel. I'm doing all this good stuff. I'm getting access to media rooms, all that good stuff. So those are ways that you switch teams as a fan without just jumping shit because a team may particularly be winning or not. That's a winning formula there. Um, we gave a winning formula on how to utilize social media and the importance of it now, especially if you have a platform where you're making certain types of announcements. But now we got to talk about who took an L this week. So, D-Boy, I'm going to let you go ahead and start it off. You tell me who took a loss this week. No brainer. First of all, fast, straight to the point. Laura Ingram. Fox News. Ingraham, Ingraham. Ingraham, yep. Ingram, whatever the hell. I don't think I deserve to t say her name right because <laughs> she don't deserve to have no coverage other than negative coverage. I hear Ingraham, you. I'm used to Ingrams. But, yeah, she's terrible. The, the segment that she did, and like I said, it was a no-brainer because 
for one, it was so much wrong information, and then it was so desensitive to the current state of what just happened way too soon. Uh, for people who don't know what I'm talking about, Laura Ingraham, she covered along with another news reporter, which I don't know his name, uh, Nipsey Hussle segment, and first of all said that he was the creator of the FDT F Donald Trump song. You can put put it together. Fuck Donald Trump song. Okay, there it is. I was trying to respect his podcast, but the song go fuck Donald Trump. Doom, doom. Hey, <laughs> uh, you see? Yeah, but it's a it's a very popular song. Um, a lot of people like it. I've watched it literally turn up crowds when DJs play it. I'm sure you probably seen them perform it live, but it is it is. It's YG's song, first and foremost. Nipsey Hussle has a feature verse on there, and all of a sudden, they covered him in his death by saying that he had the the very, uh, what did they, what's the word that they used? That creative. This creative song, uh, sarcastically spoken, and just, like I said, was so desensitive to the fact that this man just died, and for the amount of things that he has done positively that's come to light for them to try to bash this man's name and and kind of make a mockery of his talent it was just all wrong and i'm still not over the shut up and dribble comments from this same lady and just the the reputation that fox news has as a whole of being messy and disrespectful I just think it's time for her to go. I think that it's enough people of power, enough black people that are sticking up and standing up and speaking on this and we're not turning the other cheek or the other eye to these kind of things anymore. And it's just ridiculous that that's how you guys chose to represent this man. And for that, you're taking a big L. Now, I agree with you 100% that morally what she did was all types of fucked up. I mean, I obviously didn't agree with what she did back when she made the shut up and dribble comments. Um, and before you go deeper real weekend. quick, I want to make clear that I don't have a problem with her shining light that he's a part of this song. That's historical. I don't mind them mentioning that he was a part of this song or this message even. But get the facts straight. Don't sarcastically say how creative it is as the simplistic that hook it was his keeps song. repeating. Don't say it's his song. It, it was, was just YG's song. Right. It was just too much wrong content that you... I mean, I'm talking about to the point where she verbally said it was his song, but the song says artist YG on the screen. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So I just want to make that clear that he was a part of it. He knew what he was getting into by being a part of a song of such magnitude. So I don't mind that they mention that, but how they mentioned it. Yeah. But but my whole entire thing is, is like I said, I do agree with you that she was wrong on so many levels. Um, and I also do respect the rappers like The Game and T.I. who are coming out and pretty much boycotting Fox News and that are really trying to push for her firing from Fox News. I understand why. I understand the anger. I understand the frustration. And quite frankly, I don't rock with her because of what she did. Never will rock with her because of what she did, like you said, not only here, but during the shut up and dribble situation. But, but this goes back to what I was talking about when it came down to social media, because with the platform that she has, I agree that it's there's some credibility 
to these rappers and to these artists and to a whole lot of people in society wanting to wanting her to get fired with the platform that she does have but there's also an entirely different audience that's going to follow her and that's going to lift her up because of what she did because they felt like she was being who she was she was being authentic she was being true to who she was and that's actually probably going to make it harder for her to get fired and for her to lose that position on fox news so ultimately what i'm getting at is similarly to what i was getting at with the whole social media thing and it being pushed more so amongst all types of different industries but is that kind of this shock jock and i'm not even saying she was necessarily trying to be a shock jock don't because falsifies, that may, don't falsify information is one thing you could be how I you are, stay, stay being that. the person you are I you get could that. you could think that that's a very simplistic, non-creative song, that's, and that, I don't that's, mind that's you showing journalism that. 101. that. Exactly, that's but journalism don't 101. falsify information. That's my biggest problem. And take into accountability that this man just died, and the world is impacted by this. That's thing. the part that I'm talking about, though. More so, journalism 101. Like I said, I don't agree with what she did. I do agree that she was absolutely wrong in that. I'm just saying that I don't necessarily think. That she she's has to gonna, be sensitive to the I, death. No, not even that she has to be sensitive to the death. I think that because she wasn't sensitive to the death and because it is getting the reaction that it's getting, right or wrong, it's actually strengthening her platform and it's allowing her platform to grow, which is going to make it harder for her to actually is it get like, fired. Is it kind of like the all... Uh all publicity is good publicity. Basically. I, I feel like what, I get Basically. what you're saying in that room. It's making Fox Basically. News pop harder. It's, it's making, making her keep making headlines. Exactly. It's keeping them talked about. Exactly. And at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, it still is a big bulk following of people who love her and is going to ride for her. The ratings are probably going to grow because of it, because you got people who may not have known who she was like and now me, I've not even knowing situation. her damn how to pronounce her last name, but I know exactly what she done did on multiple occasions. Like you, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know what she's done on multiple occasions. In fact, you have some people out there that are so mad at what she did that they may even go out and watch Fox News just to get more mad. As mm -hmm. bad as that sounds, but we thrive off of negativity, especially when it comes to social media. Trying networks, to dig more dirt on it. Trying to look for reasons All why. of that. All of that. Kind of like all when you're mad that. in any little thing, you're looking to be more mad all at of this that. point. You're looking for these excuses. So yeah. that's all I'm saying is that her job and her position may have actually grown. She may have solidified herself as their biggest personality because of this bullshit that she really pulled off so i agree she takes an l just for being who she is that's an l to me <laughs> but mm -hmm. i i don't know how much these kind of um protests and these boycotts are really going to help people like you and i who want to see her no longer have this platform that she has we may even be strengthening her to be able to keep the platform that she has that's all i'm saying um for me I got Magic Johnson taking a nail. Uh, many of you may have heard he was the president of basketball operations for the Los Angeles Lakers, and he stepped down from doing so. Um, he went out like a sucker. Yeah. I, I'm just the type of person that, you know, I, I don't think he necessarily had to quit. Um, he's committed to this team long term. 
We've talked about it here before when he kind of basically recruited LeBron James to come play for the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron talked about how he felt like he had a partnership going with Magic. And Magic said in a certain amount of years that he wanted this team to win a championship. And he didn't stick around for those certain amount of years to see that through. So for me, that was just kind of a quitting move. Um, it was also kind of discouraging because you are seeing a lot of these young guys and a lot of these young players and young athletes who are aspiring to be in these front office positions in the NBA. And I think Magic is somebody with a big enough brand who should have been more conscious of the position he held by being in an NBA front office position, knowing that there's a lot of young athletes and young guys who foresee themselves doing the same thing one day. And I think he allowed the pressure of the position to get to him. And ultimately, it led to him quitting, I would say, prematurely. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, I'm not even saying that it might have actually been a better business move for Magic to quit. He might make more money being able to do what it is that he really wants to do and not have to consume himself as much in that particular position. But I just don't think Magic really thought about how many young people that it might have affected and how he put himself in a position to affect so many young people by the way that he moved while he had the position, by the way that he moved in recruiting LeBron James and getting LeBron James to come over to the Lakers because now everybody sees you and LeBron having this particular partnership. So now by default, you've got young kids, young athletes, even some professional athletes that look up to LeBron that now by default look up to you because you and LeBron have created this mm -hmm. partnership and you basically just kind of bail out. That's why I say Magic Johnson took an L. Can I, tell you my I don't think monetarily he did, Can I tell you my only problem why? And I'm going to make it real quick. He said he was scared to tell Bus about it. Jenny Bus? Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't just face her and tell her that, so I just said, that was weak. Yeah. That's another reason yeah. where when doing it on social media or however you did it goes wrong. Yeah. That was weak. You are too credible and too much of a powerful black man to say, I was so scared to tell Jenny Bus. L. I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because I saw a meme. <laughs> and I'm going to close it out with this. Please. <laughs> I saw a meme somebody posted, and they said, Magic Johnson was scared to, to tell Jeannie Buss that he was stepping down from the job, but he wasn't scared to tell his wife in the 90s that he had AIDS. She, oh. oh. <laughs> and that's where the internet is that's undefeated? <laughs> defeated. L. And on L. that note, L. we got to wrap it up. <laughs> Uh, that made me laugh though. Well, I mean, wins. <laughs> 2019. That made me laugh. D Boy, tell them where to find you. Tell them what you got oh, going on. I just on. dropped a new single, uh -oh, Caddy. Uh -oh. uh, D Boy LTD, like that. And knowing that I just dropped this on all platforms, it's doing good right now on Spotify and Apple Music and on SoundCloud. Shout out to Empire for the repost on SoundCloud. That was super dope. Uh, the new followers is super dope. And then, as I mentioned earlier, having the official song of the Trailblazers, shout out to DJ OG1 because he is spinning that Rip City anthem heavily in the stadium. We went out there and put some good work in yesterday. A lot of people uh, enjoyed my post from those endeavors. So just keep following us on this journey, this D-Boy LTD with an I, not a Y. And y'all know where to find me, at Pounce underscore Sation on Twitter and Instagram, or just search my name, Devon Pouncey, on whatever social media outlet that you use. And on that note, we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win.